right, folks, you know you're in for a treat when you hear that tune, because it's time for another week of the Rec Poker Podcast. I have the best freaking job in the world. I get to hang out here every Monday night and talk to my friends about poker, because that's what we do here at Rec Poker. Um, for those of you who don't know, Rec Poker is a largely volunteer-based organization. Most of what we do here is free, so we have to thank our sponsors, like the Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino. More on them in just a moment. Uh, we've got an exciting guest coming today. Uh, we'll be talking with John Barrows, who's the tournament manager over at Running Aces, and we're going to get pick his brain about the operational side of things. Um, but I also have to thank our premium members, because we've got over 1,100 free community members here at Rec Poker, uh, and we do so much free stuff, the home games, the Discord channel, the forums, uh, Twitch streams, uh, free videos on YouTube, the podcast, obviously, there's a whole bunch of great free stuff that comes on. But our premium membership is really what we uh, uh, so we we de- blah we depend on the support of our premium members is what I'm trying to say uh, to make all the magic happen here at Rec Poker and uh, so that fifteen dollars a month unlocks all sorts of amazing training videos uh, training material from other premium training sites around the world uh, social events uh, our archive of training material uh, discounts on some great tools. We're going to be giving away a subscription to Range Trainer Pro on the podcast later tonight if, if one of our premium members wins the food bank draw. Just a lot of perks to being a premium member for 15 bucks a month. And so I want to thank our newest premium member, Danny Wood. Danny became a premium member the easiest possible way by tuning into the podcast here on Monday nights on YouTube at 7.30 Eastern. We do it every week. And we do a prize draw at the end of the show every single week. All you have to do is show up for free and have fun with the group here. And what group is that you're asking? I'm so glad you asked. It's the Wrecking Crew. You get used to hearing me. My name's Jim Reed. I'm your host tonight. But uh, you only get used to me because they put me in front of the mic on Mondays. I'm just part of the crew, the leadership panel here that makes everything work. And we couldn't do it without everyone here on the Wrecking Crew. If you want to find out more about me or other Wrecking Crew members, you can go to rec.poker slash crew. But listen up because you're going to meet a few heavy hitters right now here on the show. Well, I, I guess we're leading off with the lightest of hitters, but I'm Chris <laughs> Jones. You can find me 5v5 on Twitter or 5x5 in the Poker Stars home game. And I'm John Somsky. I am Poker Geek MN everywhere. My name is Joe Coolis. So you can find me on Twitter at, at JoeCoolPhD, cool with a K, or Elvita11 on the forums and the home game. And I'm Rob Washam, and I'm Rabman50 just about everywhere. Now, as you may have realized, it's a different crew of Wrecking Crew members here. We kind of rotate through a lot of our active members for the show. And I'm just so grateful that some of these other folks are screwing up the audio cues to make me look good. Because I'm, I'm trying my best here, folks. I say it. It's not a bit. We're all trying our best. So um, enough said. Uh, so much thanks to our premium members, to our Wrecking Crew members, to everyone who contributes in all the ways that they do to make the magic happen here at Rec Poker. Um, so I'm very excited to be welcoming John Barrows back to the show. John, you've been on before. Uh, you've been a fixture at Running Aces for a long time now. And we've seen the uh, poker room and sort of the poker division grow and flourish under your stewardship there. Um, since we last had you on the show, you know, the world's changed a little bit. There, there's been a bit of a pandemic. <laughs> there's been um, some uh, evolution in the live game. Uh, I don't know. We're going to talk a little bit about some regulatory uh, aspects of running a poker room. We're going to talk about some of the operational aspects of tournament structures, running tournaments, uh, the give and take uh, that goes on in the poker room. But first of all, let's just say 
Thank you so much for coming back on the Ruck Poker Podcast, Mr. John Barrows. Yeah, I appreciate it. I'm glad to be back. Uh, we've we've enjoyed a partnership with Rack Polka for a long time. And it's something we, you know, we experienced, we've experienced now for geez, about, about six, seven years, I suppose. And, you know, we 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 love the crowd. Um, uh, and we actually, I think we were one of the one of the pioneers of kind of the whole idea of what rec poker really can be. Uh, our casino, what we've structured for tournaments really was about that, about rec players uh, being able to level up into multi-day events and still not, you know, have, not have to worry about major bankroll issues. Uh, we were that kind of that, that, that breeding ground for that. And so hopefully it's a, it's a good connection for your audience as well. And I, I love the fact that you've grown uh, to be so heck worldwide in this case, start talking <laughs> yeah. Australia and stuff. That's great. <laughs> That's true. It's true. Yeah. Um, but and and uh, you know, John, that's not hyperbole. Um, John and the crew there at Running Aces took a big chance on us way back in the day when Steve was just start starting the podcast. I, I I say sort of Steve starting the podcast in his basement. I don't know if it was actually in his basement or in his living room or his home office or something like that. But um, John and the folks there at Running Aces really were a big part of our uh, story coming together. And it's been great partnering with you guys over the years. We do live events there, which are super fun. I've I've flown down for uh, our Rec Poker weekend, which we did last year. I'm already looking forward to visiting again this year. And uh, yeah, I think it was the attic, says Chris. I think you're right, Chris. I think it was like the that. attic at that, at that point. Um, so first of all, just thanks, John, because you know who knows what would, ha- what would have happened to Rec Poker if we didn't have that kind of support early on and uh, so we're always gonna have a soft spot in our heart for you and i think you guys treat poker and the fun of poker the right way it's just like you say um parlaying folks into the kind of tournaments that they might not ordinarily be able to play and bringing them up in the game exploring the fun parts of the game and having great you know game integrity along the way why don't we talk about that a little bit sort of what what do you feel like are your criteria for success as a poker room? Like, how do you know if you're doing a good job with the poker room at Running Aces? Like, how do you measure uh, what feels good um, at the end of the week or at the end of the month when you know you're doing a good job? Um, you know, that's a, it's a really good question. What, what kind of measures success on our end? Obviously, you know, volume is certainly that measure, but that's the easy thing to talk about. Uh, reality is, you know, for me, I look at, um, are the customers engaged with what we're offering and are they asking for more? Mm. I, I think of, because I think of things like if, if customers aren't giving you feedback, they don't really care. Mm. I think when customers give feedback, they care. They like what they're doing. They like lots of what's happening and they may want to see, they might want to see other things. So we've really tried to, at least myself, we I've really tried to focus on being open and uh, letting you know asking for feedback and being open minded to feedback about things we can offer. So from a you know and and spe- specifically from a from a player perspective, listen to them about tournament ideas. Specifically, tournament ideas are are a big a big driver of that. So that's where I get involved. Um, so I think. That's one thing we've done really well is listen to our guests. And then 
we engage with them online. We have a very active Twitter and Facebook presence. And, you know, like this last weekend, yesterday, I'm a little hoarse because I work, I worked, uh, 23 <laughs> hours. I worked 23 hours yesterday and between yesterday and Saturday uh, with our pot of gold tournament. So yes, um, long, long couple of days, uh, certainly worth it. Um, and we, you know, on day two, we do a lot of uh, day two reporting on site live as it's going. And, you know, our player, our people that follow us on social media, love it. And they follow along, they like, they respond. Um, they're looking for that action. That's one of the things that I think the, the, you can tell we, that we can take a lot of pride in our running aces is that we've really engaged our guests and they, they, they're looking for it. So when they don't get it, they really, they really actually respond. They're looking for those updates. So, and I, you know, I track the metrics. I'll look at when I go in tomorrow, I'll look at the Twitter numbers. I'll look at the Facebook numbers and I'm always generally really just wowed. Like, wow, these, you know, everybody really likes this. Even if they're not clicking through always, um, I'm getting a lot of looks and, and it really matters. So all long answer. Um, but that's, you know, the more engagement we get and from even, even if it's not play more engagement, like people watching, you know, you know, watching this or taking part in this, in, in things like this podcast, those are great metrics for us to use to find out if what we're doing is working. Yeah. I love it. Um, and I'll remind our listeners, if you've got any questions for John, you don't get many opportunities to speak to the professionals on that side of the desk in the poker industry. So if you're watching live in YouTube, feel free to type your questions in before we do um, our food bank draw at the end. And obviously anyone here on the panel, uh, just unmute and I'll call on you to jump in. Uh, Chris, I see you have freed yourself I, from the Yeah, GPs. no, I was I was just going to jump in, John, and just say the coverage this weekend was fantastic. So whoever is doing that, I don't know who's doing that for you, sure. uh, but um, I, I just thought it was, I mean, it's it's very rare for a poker. I mean, it's usually just kind of like, here's a final table photo and <laughs> somebody won and like, but, but like you really got a sense of what's going on in the event and some back and forth. So um, it was fun to follow and kudos to whoever's doing it. Cause it is, it is, it is, if you're not able to be there, but you're kind of curious and you know, a lot of the players, it's really great to be a part of that and sort of have a sense of what's going on. So it, thanks for doing that. Yeah, of course. Uh, um, I'll actually, I'll give a shout out right now to one of um, uh, one of the, um, people at Running Aces, one of my tournament directors, his name is Dave Margulies. Uh, Dave is very, I don't know if some of you guys probably know Dave, um, very active poker player, loves to play a lot of tournament poker. And he runs turn, he runs our Tuesday night tournament for us. And he also does all of our day two reporting for our main, for our, any main event, any multi-day event we've got, he does the day two reporting for. And he does just fantastic work. He stays on top of things. Uh, he's he's good at updating chip counts. Uh, pro- he tries to provide as much live, quick, you know, video content if he can. Um, it's it's not always easy to get because sometimes things happen. You know, we we don't really we're not at the point where we want to start pausing players and saying, "Hey guys, wait, let us take a video." <laughs> you know, we want to catch it in live action, live moment. And but he he really does. He hustles and. Um, you can tell the, the players, you know, like the people that, like you said, the people that are watching, uh, really do appreciate it. We get a lot of good feedback on it. Um, I I'm, and it's an expense for us to do this. And it's, I can tell you my boss, uh, has been very, he's been happy enough with it that he's said, just do it, make sure it happens. 
So he he he's okay with the cost, and he because he knows it really drives results. So we'll keep spending that money, and it's definitely worth it to us, and it's definitely worth it to our guests. Yeah, well, it looks great. And if folks want to check out the recent coverage, um, the hashtag is hashtag Aces Poker, yep. and we'll also put the links in for um, for running Aces on Twitter and Facebook in the show notes here for the show. So if you're listening along, you should be able to just click on through. Uh, Joe Cool, what do you have to add today, my friend? Nice to see you. Well, I, I just want to say that um, you know, I've only been to Running Aces once because I'm actually living out on the coast now and grew up in Wisconsin, never got close enough. But I want to say that the, the the one tournament that I was at there, the Rec Poker event, was extremely well run. And and uh, I was tickled to note that you even reported the results to Hendon Mob. So because I oh. score there, I'm like, yeah, I got a Hendon Mob score. <laughs> <laughs> But you guys, you guys run a great place there. I, I really, I was impressed. Well, you know, um, to bring that, it's funny you bring that up. Uh, Hen and Mob, for a long time, you know, I actually wasn't super, that's one of the things that we missed on a little bit. We used to report Hen and Mob results like every other week or so. And I I, I kind of had, you know, only in the last probably year or so as I have I come to realize how important that is to people that are caching. And so we made a change and we report daily now. So every time when Hen and, when, when our tournament's done, we send our results to Hen and Mob immediately. So whatever they post them, they're generally posting within a couple of days. They're pretty good about that. Um, and I'm just, I, I think it's amazing how that's just another example of engagement beyond the felt that I think really matters. And, you know, so I think that's what Anybody that's listening to this, I think they can take that to heart as well. There, this is this is all part of being, you know, being in a poker community is watching, listening. It's not just pitching cards back and forth and seeing who wins a pot. Yeah, I would, and I just want to echo your statement about that because I think that people underestimate how important these moments because poker is kind of a yeah, a lot of times you end up playing it yourself, right? Your friends aren't as into it as you are. And to be able to point to somebody and, and say, look, you know, on this site that people mention, I have my name there. It, it's a big deal. And, you know, there are other things I've done in my life, but I kind of value that Hendon mob listing. <laughs> yeah. well, I've got a few myself. Yeah. You know, I've got, a, I've got three or four on there. I got, I was actually, uh, um, we had the TDA summit in, uh, it was July of 2022. So July of last year, uh, we got the new TDA rules that we all went through and out in Las Vegas. And then we actually play a tournament. Well, I actually happened to chop the tournament with the player for all the tournament directors. So, which was kind of fun. So I got that. That was my last 10 and mob result. It's convinced I, it's the last tournament I actually played in because I don't get a lot of, unfortunately I don't get a lot of opportunity to play anymore. So um, I really, look forward to those moments when I can play, but they're unfortunately kind of few and far between. And that's the, that's the downside of working in the industry is you, you lose a lot of opportunity to play. So, uh, so I have to live vicariously for all you guys when you're playing <laughs> and watch, hopefully you guys are having fun. And I just kind of watch along and, and make sure, and make sure everybody's having fun or at least try to. 
Well, this is a pretty good group to live vicariously through when it comes to the pleasure taken in poker. At least I think that you're going to be calibrating well if this is the crowd that you're getting your fix from, John. Absolutely. Um, John Somsky, what do you have uh, queued up? Well, in front? I was just going to kind of reiterate on what John had said uh, already, and particularly at the lower stakes games that recreational players tend to play, it's not life-changing money that you're going to be earning. So you're really playing for the bragging rights or for a sense of accomplishment. So, you know, having a place that is doing some level of, you know, tournament reporting on the day twos or is making sure that they're mentioning the winners of the tournaments on Facebook or whatever that, or putting the stuff up to Hendon Mob, all of that, you know, kind of feeds the community and it, it gets on itself because then you can tell your friends, hey, look at what I did here and you didn't. And then they'll come back and try to beat them. And, you know, it's just, that's the way it goes. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's true. Love it. Um, so, John, we're talking, uh, I know you've got um, an MSPT uh, series coming through at some point soon. I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, tournament structures. Last time you were on the show, we talked about rake, and we talked about a few of the other aspects of uh, running a profitable and a successful poker room. Um, I want to talk a little bit about structures and sure. how you kind of vary them between the events that you have. Uh, what are the factors that motivate using a particular structure over a different one and is there something about uh, the MSPT uh, series that um, sort of factors into that conversation as well I guess I'm just going to set you up in very vague general language there and see what happens sure so uh, kind of the first thing talking about structure uh, when I think of structure from a daily event versus a multi-day event it does change things quite a bit multi-days we can get into obviously deeper structures, longer play. Um, players that play multi-day know they're going to they, ahead of time. They know they're in for the long grind, um, and even there, you can make tweaks. But still, it's generally going. You're, you're planning. You know, when we all of our multi-days are two-day style events. Day one, you play. Then day two, you finish up. And we always plan for it to be anywhere from eight to ten hours of play each day, and that's kind of a about what the structure ends up lending to itself. Daily events are a little bit different. Daily events is where you really vary kind of how you build structure, at least um, what I've found with our players. And it's, you know, I think uh, John touched on it a little bit about not like being life-changing money, especially when you're doing really lower buy-in tournaments. And one of the other things I've discovered is you know, I think kind of the, you know, players who are a little more advanced always want more structure. They always say, I want more time. I want more chips. I want more levels, you know, all of these things. And yeah, that's actually great to some players. Most of our players, and I think this is kind of holds true for a lot. Most of our players are focused on what their buy-in is and how much time are they going to have to commit. I have a I, a big majority of our daily players really want that tournament to be a four to five hour kind of event. And that's kind of what they want to commit to. And that kind of surprised me. I was just assumed, I mean, this is now I've known this for a while, but I always assume that 
Well, everybody wants to play the best event they possibly can. No, there's a lot of players that actually want to play four to five hours and call it good. They want, you know, they, they want to go home. They've got live, you know, they've got all these other things. So they want to be entertained for a short amount of time, maybe win a few bucks and then like, and, you know, brag, Hey, I want a poker tournament and get out of there. So a lot of the structures that we build are in that mind of giving players enough play early on and then making sure they're out of there at a reasonable amount of time. You always still then, and then I try to mix in, obviously for us, we've our one of our most popular tournaments is our double stack, but it does definitely bring out a different kind of uh, player. It's a, it's our biggest structured tournament of the week. It typically runs seven to eight hours when we do run it. Um, we run it actually starting to, we're going to start running them on Tuesdays. Now we've been running them on Thursdays. We're going to have them both on Tuesday and Thursday. And then we've also, we also run them on Sundays. Those are typically about an eight hour tournament. So we sprinkle those in as well for the players that do want that longer structure. So I think from an operator perspective, it's all about mixing and matching, making sure you have enough to offer to everybody. Uh, you know, when we first came out of the pandemic, we were only offering kind of one to two tournaments. So some of the players were kind of forced to play things that I don't know that they were necessarily comfortable with. We've since since that point, we've brought back lower some lower buy-in tournaments with lower, you know, shorter structures. And the volume has just shot through the roof. And I mean, there was, that's just a great example of, yeah, I cranked the structure down for sure, but the players didn't care. They got what they wanted. They got a lower buy-in and they got that time frame that was working for them. So, you know, they want to have some fun and good for them. I, I love it. <laughs> yep. Uh, when it when it comes to structures, it, 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 and correct me if I'm wrong, there's basically the three things that you can change. You can change the starting stack. You can change the number of levels, like whether you include every level or skip levels of blinds, and then you can uh, change the duration of the levels. And those are kind of like the big three that get into determining the length of the tournament. Is that roughly true? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Um the biggest one is the length of level mm-hmm. far and away. If you want to plan on how long a tournament runs length of level is going to really drive that chip stack chip stack actually doesn't have as much of an impact as you think it's a chip stacks are a great way to drive some interest, but in the end it's, 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 it's the length of level and then the amount of levels. So I've tried to keep chip stack a little bit less important. Uh, most of our chip stacks are, they're all pretty much the same, um, but it is length of level, number of levels. And as the bigger, you know, the longer you get in, the more you start, um, the, the, the more levels you add in, the longer that tournament goes. I've got some dailies now. I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, we run a, I run a Tuesday morning tournament. It's our cheapest buy-in tournament. Uh, it's $75. It's the cheapest buying tournament in the state. And I, most of our tournaments, we've been pretty, um, pretty player friendly in terms of structure and not, not even starting Annie's until level six. This one, we're starting level. We start Annie's on level three and we kind of crank it up pretty good. And that's a great example of, uh, where we could tweak and make it that four to five hour block. And and still make it work for everybody. So that's the yes. And so that's that's a great question, Jim, about the three factors to structuring a tournament. 
And then I, so when I'm, when I'm pushing for anything, it's always length of level, then the number of levels. Great. Yeah. And if I uh, can jump in, actually, there, there is sort of, and this kind of relates to a, a thing that's been going on, I think, in the, in the tournament world, especially at the higher stake level. Uh, like the, the fourth thing that you could potentially adjust is the amount of time that players have to make a decision. Um, yeah, and yeah. you, you start to see at, you know, at the 10 K and the 5 K buy-in levels, you know, the WPT and the EPT and some of these really prestigious high level tournaments, they've started to implement shot clocks. Mm-hmm. And I, I, one part of me is like, really like, kind of like interested in that. Like, I like to see the game speed up, but I also kind of worry about the players who are newer to the game and that being like a barrier or an intimidation to them of like coming there. It's already intimidating to come in and maybe play your first tournament in a card room, but now I've got to do this within 30 seconds and I got to make every decision when I, you know, like, so what, what are your thoughts about, about shot clocks in general? Do you think running aces will ever think about implementing them at maybe a higher buy-in level? Do you think they have a place uh, at any buy-in level? What, 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 what are some of your thoughts about shot clocks? It's, that's a, it's a great, it's a great question. And, um, actually at the TDA summit, we actually played with a shot clock. So it's the first time I'd ever experienced it. And I have mixed feelings about shot clocks in general. Um, like a lot of what you talked about, I kind of share some of those thoughts. Uh, it's not necessarily a friendly approach for a rec player or somebody who is intimidating because, the last thing we need to do is, oh, we got pressure on you besides the fact that you've got eight other, eight other souls who are trying to take all your chips and you're trying to avoid those guys. Oh, yeah, by the way, act. So, you know, we're to me, I, I have a little bit of a little bit of hesitancy with it. Um, what I experienced in our TDA Summit tournament with the Shotcock was it was just it was actually kind of hard for the dealers to even manage. Um, I think conceptually as a concept, it's fine. I don't know if we're there on the technology side and the management side yet to actually use it and be good at it. I think if you, I think for the, I think I, it's an ambitious move and for bigger events, I, I, some of those bigger buy-in events with, with more of an experienced field. I certainly would be more than willing to give that a try. Um, but, you know, as an, as an operator, I am very concerned about how to, how to properly implement it without, without there being a lot of glitches and, you know, you know, there's, it, it's just dealers already have a lot of work to do. Now we've just added one more, uh, we've just added one more task for them. And this is actually a pretty important task, you know, and what I experienced, uh, in the tournament I played in was some dealers forgot to start the shot clock, Mm. you know, so all of a sudden it's 30 seconds have gone and also now they're pressing the button and I don't fault them at all. This was, this is intended for them to be experimental. So this is a great example of that's something we, I would want to have ironed out before I even tried to implement it. Um, I know one of my predecessors in my role, who's still at running aces in the form of a casino manager uh, his name's Tristan Wilberg, and some of you guys might know Tristan. Uh, really great poker mind, and you know, at one point he had looked at getting shot clock equipment. Um, just, just couldn't re- feasibly 
it wasn't a cost so much as just feasibly make sure it was implemented properly. So from our perspective, I don't have any plans to do it. Um, it is definitely, you know, so everybody knows it is definitely a topic uh, that is very, um, very near and dear to Matt Savage's heart. Uh, he's the executive director, you know, at, at the TDA and obviously part of the World Poker Tour. And he is a big proponent of speeding up the game. And in part because long drawn out play is, he believes, is is not friendly to the recreational player. And he's and he's right. So one of his, you know, this is one of his thoughts is to get this dry, get this moving, you know, great idea. Implementation, I think, is true implementation is a ways off. Doesn't mean it won't happen someday. But, you know, at this point, I don't know when that's going to be. Joe? Do you see the kind of tanking that really when people get um, all up in arms about putting in, implementing a shot clock? at the vast majority of the tournaments that you're running. Um, I don't really see it where I play that I would ever think to need to have a shot clock and social pressure is usually enough to get people to play fast enough. Um, but are, are you seeing that? That makes you think that it should be in place? I don't. I don't see a lot of that at all. Matter of fact, um, I see so little of it that it that's one reason I, I haven't really pushed for it is because our players even rec players for the most part, they just, you know, they play at a pretty reasonable pace. Um, you know, I have the, I've had a few incidents where I'll have a player who simply just does not move in an appropriate manner for anything. doesn't matter whether it's a, you know, he can be under the gun first to act you know, on, on one of the first levels. And he just takes 45 seconds to look at his cards. That's a, to me, that's, those are isolated incidents. A good tournament director deals with that and gets those players moving. And that's and that's the approach I've taken is where I, I've actually, the most extreme example I can recall, I actually put a player who was repeatedly causing, you know, delaying issues, delaying things in part to antagonize the entire table. I actually put that player on a permanent five-second clock. Mm. And I hate doing things like that. But in this case, it was extreme. And it was every time you get cards, you've got five seconds. Unless you call time, I'll give you, you know, and, you know, again, I'm not even getting into time banks or anything like that, that shot clock tournaments have. Those are rare examples. I think a tournament director has to manage that as it comes up. So, Joe, I think to your point, I'm not seeing a lot of it. I think when tournament directors do see it, if they're doing the right thing and managing it individually on an individual basis, to me, that should be good enough. And I think it really is the outliers, the bad actors that are trying to be dicks about it <laughs> that we really have to pr protect against. Like, I think most people, the rule isn't there for people that are just genuinely unsure or need more time. Um, I think it's the people that are intentionally stalling and dragging out the yep. game. So you just need you need a mechanism for the dealers and for the floor to be right. able to legitimately say, hey, you're working outside the system. This isn't the spirit of the rule. Uh, pick it up button and so and so how, how much uh, autonomy do like dealers have in that kind of a situation or is it always let's like let's get a floor person over here to make a ruling about when it's a it's it's appropriate to kind of hurry some people along so in i can't speak for other houses although i'm guessing this is pretty common across the board at running aces we 
any 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 uh request for a clock from a player uh has to, is an automatic floor call yeah um and so the process for us is i'm going to get called over and my dealer will I, the first question i will ask uh depending on the game so if it's tournament it's not quite as important because in tournaments anybody that's got a that was dealt a hand is eligible to call a clock like for example in our cash games the only people that are eligible to call a clock are people that currently have active hands if you don't have an active hand that's you know that's tough that's the way it is and just for our listeners at home um if you're in a tournament there's an incentive to just move the hand along. Blinds are going up. Everyone at the table is affected by the rate at which the hands are played. In a cash game, you're kind of just wait until the next hand. The next hand is going to be the same no matter when it starts. So um, that's why that rule basically is the same. Yeah, I, absolutely. And so so tournaments are a little bit different. So I, I, you know, the first question I always ask my dealer is a who called the clock. B has the player had sufficient time to act. You know, my, you know, what the definition of sufficient time is, it's kind of hard to tell again, you know, sometimes like in these big main events, they're playing for thousands of dollars. And, you know, what is is sufficient time? 30 seconds? Is it a minute? Is it five minutes? Um, Rarely do I have a dealer when they, when a clock is called, have I had a dealer say, no, they have not had sufficient time. (laughs) It's happened. I've, I've had a couple times where. I've come over, I, you know, I asked the the two questions and the dealer simply responded and said, nope, they've only had about a minute. Okay. And then at that point, I'll make the determination whether a minute's enough or not. Uh, is it a player that has had clock called on, on them before? Things like that. So um, all of the information comes into play, but most of the time that the response from my dealer is, yes, they've had sufficient time. Boom, we're into the 30-second countdown. Yep. And so you get, if you're listening at home, you get a sense of how important it is uh, as a player at the table to sort of be paying attention to this kind of thing to not, not, I mean, I guess, John, let me ask you, do we want the players to be like policing this themselves or do we, is it really a question? Because ultimately the dealer is not going to call clock, right? Like it, it falls to another player at the table to call the clock. Is that right? 100%. Um, I mean, in players have paid for the time, how they use it is kind of their business as far as we're concerned. Um, so it is, it is the responsibility of the player to, in this case, move the game along. Um, however, again, once they've notified us, then that's when we take over. So they don't, all they have to do is notify us. And that's what the point of calling the clock is for. That's their notification. Um, a dealer, if I have a player that is repeatedly stalling, dealers will notify me. And that's when we can start putting permanent clocks on things, on players. Um, again, even with that, though, I'm hesitant. Um, one of the experiences I've had is if if I've had to put somebody on a permanent 30-second clock, guess what they do? They take 30 seconds every time. <laughs> right, right. So right. we got to, you know, I'm careful about doing things like that, too. Um, I would rather, if I get somebody that, you know, for me personally, if I get somebody that's continuing to abuse the clock, I'll let them play their hand. Then I'm going to give them a penalty of an, of hands or, mm. or, or multiple hands, whatever it takes. So I would rather just do that rather than putting somebody on a permanent clock um, in part, because I, I don't want to babysit people. And I've got, you know, I've got 
tournaments, I've got anywhere from 50 to 100 players to manage at any given point. All my dealers, last thing I need to do is watch uh, John Somsky sit there and look at his cards for, you know, in a minute and a half. No offense, John. I'm kidding. I, I pick on John because I've, I've, I've known John here at running aces for years. So um, yeah, nice he's on a permanent clock there. with us too. It's, there you it's, go. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually probably worse than our home games than I am at running aces. <laughs> I get distracted by the TV when I'm at home, whereas oh, at sure. running aces, you know, <laughs> right. Right. Uh, so that actually, I know there's a couple of good questions in the YouTube chat here, but this uh, brings up a question I want to ask John. So, um, you, so you talk about sort of like the consequences. So you might, uh, if the clock runs out, their hands kill, their hands dead. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a fold, for instance. Um, but you also talk about uh, uh, having them like take a seat or take a few, uh, play a penalty round or something like that. Uh, what are some of the ways that you can reinforce these rules or some what some of the consequences that you can put uh, in front of players if they're not playing by the rules? So I think the, the common one that most people are familiar with is like one round where you don't get dealt cards um is that kind of like a, a go-to and can you speak a little to what that what that infrastructure is like yeah sure um so penalizing players is obviously for me it's always that last resort move um it i reserve those kind of things for egregious um moves or you know or you know you know obviously outside of the realm kind of things like swearing or threatening or things like that, obviously those are going to get significant penalties. But when it comes to like actual play style penalties, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, pretty hesitant to do it without a serious conversation short of something egregious. Uh, This weekend is a great example. I had to issue one. I, I didn't have to, but I did issue one penalty uh, a three-hand penalty, so relatively small penalty um, to a player who showed their cards to another player with a live hand. Um, it obviously caused a lot of consternation at the table. Um, you know, it, it's a, it is, you know, he didn't realize that, you know, he should have realized that other players were still active. He just was not really thinking about it. Um, I issued him the penalty and he handled it fine. He totally understood. He just, he apologized. Um, but because of the, you know, this is a pretty egregious act in a pretty significant tournament, you know, at that point, I, I, I felt the penalty was necessary. And a lot of times when you do things like that, you get the table on notice too. Mm. So, you know, it's, it's, um, once you start doing things like that, they, you know, most players know you're serious because of things like that. And you don't really get a lot of, you get many issues after that, after that point, excuse me. Um, I'll, I'll share another, <laughs> share another fun example with you um, that you guys will appreciate. So I, I mentioned Dave Margulies, my tournament director earlier. Uh, funny story with Dave. This is probably four or five months ago. Uh, it's one of Dave's off days. and. Uh, outside of myself, pretty much anybody in the po- that works in the poker room can work and can play in their off time at running aces. So Dave came up and played one of the morning tournaments that I happened to be running. I had a big, big all in hand, three, four, five ways or something. I've been waiting to do this. 
And Dave, Dave's got pocket aces. He stands up, spikes his cards oh. on the table, has some oh. fun with it. You know, he's yelling. They're all having fun. Well, Dave, because he spiked and he spiked his cards and, you know, cards are plastic. This can happen. It's really weird. But one of the corners broke off. I, you know, I mean, this is, this is somebody I consider a friend. It's one of my, one of my tournament directors and somebody I value greatly at running aces. And when the hand was over, I issued him a penalty. I gave you, you, you broke one of my cards. I, you, I, I, I did. I gave him a penalty on the spot and in part because I would give that to anybody. Yeah. And it's important for the players to know that there are things that are that are crossing the line regardless whether you like it or not. Um and I know it was it wasn't done maliciously. He just did it and it just was bad luck on his part. In this case, everybody kind of got a chuckle out of it. Dave got a chuckle out of it and and then I switched the card out. <laughs> so yeah. so uh, you know, it, it's good it's it's one of those things that um I learned uh, many years ago in a previous life, um, I was a supply chain manager with a very large retailer. Uh, if you are from Minnesota, you can probably figure out which one. There's only a couple of them. Um, we used to get uh, we used to get feedback from our employees all the time. And they all we always had one question on there about dealing with problem employees. And we were always 50-50 on responses. We always just assumed it was because, well, we're dealing with problem employees too hard. And then we'd go out and ask the people themselves and they'd say, no, you're not dealing with them enough. And it's amazing. And, and it's the same thing in poker, you know, tournament directors, floors, you know, whoever's in a leadership role, most of the other players appreciate when you deal with a problem on the spot, even if it's something small, you know, and, and so I think for the rec players, especially to kind of help them with that intimidation factor, you know, getting penalties out there for players who are doing stupid stuff or, you know, things like that, you know, that's okay. I know if I've got a player who's real, who I can tell is green, they don't get, they don't, we don't penalize them. We coach them. We try to coach them about, you know, things you're doing. Hey, you know, I know you're, you want to act. A lot of guys act out of turn because they're just Oh, I'm ready to go. Hey, whoa, look at that. I got this. I'm going to play. <laughs> Never going to penalize a guy for doing that. I want them to have fun. And, you know, I think that's the balance between knowing what a player is doing and, and understanding their situation and trying to empathize with them a little bit versus, you know, just constantly laying down a hammer. And, you know, I hope, hopefully, I think most operators are the same way. And I think the players really do respect and appreciate when you're uh, clear with that and consistent and when you're applying it to your friends as well as to the ne'er-do-wells, you know, I think, um, and the, you know, the people that are good, uh, good players and good members of your room, they're going to, they're going to understand why you're laying it on them, um, as well. Cause you kind of have to set these good examples, right? Absolutely. And, yep. and people, I think, I do think people respect that. Um, Absolutely. so, so one thing, um, if folks, because I know uh, some of our some of our listeners may be playing home games or online, they don't have a lot of experience playing in a, in an actual card room. Could being on a like a one round penalty could that ever benefit someone if they were like near a bubble or something and they were just like, it, are they are they still having to put in antes and blinds as the action goes past them? Do they are they is it just like you go take a bathroom break for three hands or something? <laughs> um, what, uh, if people don't know sort of 
what exactly does that mean? They just sit there, they don't get cards, they can't play. But what happens if they would otherwise have to put chips in? Are they committed to doing that anyway with no cards? Or what happens in that situation? So when we issue a penalty in tournament poker, um, my I have them get up from the table. I tell them why I'm issuing them the penalty. I tell them when they are eligible to play again, what the, where the button position will be. So I tell them when the button is in this spot is when you're eligible to play again. And then they must vacate the table area. Hmm. So, And what is vacating table area? Uh, in my definition, that means far enough away that you could not observe the action or talk to players. So if that means go to the bathroom or go to the bar, whatever you got to do, um, that's my expectation. The player is still dealt in. Um, per TDA, all hands are, anybody with a live stack has dealt a hand regardless of their situation, whether they're at the table, whether they're not at the table. And then any blinds that they get are, they're still responsible to pay. So if they're not at the table, um, the dealer will, is authorized to take the chips as necessary, or a lot of, most of the time, the player will just grab them for them and we'll put the blinds out. And that's, yeah. So, so in the, in the case of the penalty that I had to issue on, was it Saturday? I think it was Saturday. Um, on Saturday, um, even though it was only a three hand penalty and I don't, I'll admit, I don't take any consideration about position into consideration at all. So if they're if they're getting penalized, I don't even look at where the spot is until I tell them what the penalty is. Then I look at the spot and said, this is when you can come back in. Uh, in this case, it was only a three-hand penalty. The previous hand he had played, he was under the gun. So he missed his mm. big blind, his small blind, and his button. Obviously, pretty important positions in tournament poker. So, you know, while it was only a three-hand penalty, it's about the most impactful three-hand penalty a guy could have. And again, he, you know, he handled it fine. He understood, apologized, and no no issues after that. Um, but in this, and it was early enough in the tournament that it obviously didn't make much of a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, that's really good. I appreciate that. Uh, Joe? So, um, I'm a psychologist, and one of the things that I know is that if you mix stress, alcohol, and money together, you're going to get some unusual behaviors uh, on on the part of individuals. (laughs) And in the same way that there's a certain question that you always ask an ER doc about the weirdest thing that they've seen, and I won't get into that here. uh, What's the weirdest thing you've seen out of the people uh, playing cards in in, uh, running aces? Stress, alcohol, and money. Uh, Is there any of that goes on at a casino? Wow. (laughs) Um, okay. I, th- there's the one that will always stick in my mind. And I was actually, this is many, many years ago, uh, during an MSPT event. And I was actually dealing at the time and, uh, I'm, it was, I, you know, I'm on a different table and I'm actually in a qual. it's a qualifier and I've got, I'm just dealing my game. And I hear another tournament director talking to a player and this player starts yelling and he had been drinking and, you know, the tournament director actually got to the point where he had to, you know, evict him. So, you know, you're, you're, you're out of the tournament, you're out of the building player starts throwing his chips across the room. I had chips go right by my head. Other players that were all ducking and, what the heck, what is going on here? And um, 
If you're ever up to running aces, uh, <laughs> if you ever talk to Chris Lucas, who's one of our tournament directors, one of my tournament directors, he was the tournament director in question. You can ask him about that and he can tell you all about it. But when you're sitting there dealing cards and, you know, life's all good, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden a chip goes flying by your head and you're like, <laughs> what in God's name was that? And then you realize the guy's throwing more chips and oh, now everybody's ducking. That's pretty interesting. That was one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. So, yeah, I'll never forget that one. Oh, that's a, I mean, I that's yeah, that's that's pretty priceless. Yeah, uh, yep. I mean, I there I remember that one. There was that one uh, famous Australian tournament. I'm glad I was not, or you were not, the tournament director for that one, where the guy got so angry he flipped up the table and all the chips went. It was like oh, a final God. table and oh. all the chips and nobody knew whose chips were whose and oh, oh yeah. You know, Oh, so you've never had that happen, though. I've never had that happen, um, and I hope I don't have that yeah, happen. Yeah, I've seen, me too. I've seen that video, and I've seen a couple others very similar to it, and I always think to myself, boy, what am I going to do if I ever have to deal with that? I'll just keep my fingers crossed and hope that, for the most part, I'm going to be lucky and only have to deal with Minnesota nice, and we'll call right. it. <laughs> well, and and to kind of kind of speaking of Minnesota, I was I thought I'd, I'd grab a couple of questions here, uh, sure. get a little little bit more local from from the YouTube chat. Um, Pipe login wants to know: um, Is there any chance the PLO tournament is coming back? Uh, you know, as a guy who loves Omaha, I just I, I it's a fun game, it's a fascinating game. I I I, I think it's one of the future games of poker, um, and I hope more rec players start to play it. Um, are there plans? No. Would I like to? Yes. Um, I, I, it's back to that whole, how do I get players to play things? How do I find the right balance? Um, we rolled out a PLO tournament not that long ago, about six months ago or so. And unfortunately we just didn't draw very well with Mm -hmm. it. We drew so poorly that we actually had to pull the plug and I, I hated doing it because PLO is such a fun game and I, it's to my heart. And we're actually, you know, for our cash game side, we're known as an Omaha house. We, we've got the biggest Omaha game in the state, probably the biggest cash game in the state period uh, between the, you know, the two main card rooms is our Omaha game. And we get anywhere on Friday, Saturday, we'll get three to four of those games going in. And there's always twenty to twenty five thousand dollars in play on each table. These are these are big games for a limit for a state that has a limit bet of a hundred dollars. Yep. So uh, you know, I always thought, you know, boy, if I run like a, I was running a hundred thirty dollar, I think was the entry fee uh, for a PLO event, and I was drawing twenty players, and I just I was heartbroken. And from an operator perspective, I've got to, it's got to make sense for us. 20 players, I'm not drawing enough people in. It's not really justifying me bringing in six dealers for. So how do I how do I change that going forward? I am considering some options with that. Um, look, I'm considering a, a like a once a month PLO event. Mm. And maybe I'll even do a smaller buy-in and keep it, you know, make it friendly and try to get some rec players to play it. So if I make it um you know, maybe I substitute like when's the, the event that replaced that was an $80 just Texas Hold'em event. And it may, what I'm thinking about maybe doing is the same night is doing an $80 once a month, doing an $80 PLO event. Mm-hmm. So it's still cheap. Uh, players can still play. 
you know, I might even stack up the chips a little bit because what I've experienced with PLO is, boy, chip stacks just just don't they don't make much of a difference. <laughs> I, I've, I mean, if you want action, if you if your player likes action, I would recommend finding some low limit PLO tournaments because boy, you can throw chips around and have some fun. Um, one of the other things I did before, and if I ever bring it back, I think I'll do again is about every quarter I would do a beat the boss kind of style event with a PLO. And I would insert myself into the event or somebody else at running aces, uh, another, you know, someone at one of the other tournament directors or managers, and we wouldn't be playing for prizes. We would just be playing. And if you knocked us out, we would give you an an additional prize. So we were like a special bounty as an example, and we weren't eligible to win any prizes. The first time I ever did it, actually made the final table which was kind of sad (laughs) you know and i'm just like guys would somebody just knock me out and and eventually somebody did and they they i think we gave them 200 worth of tournament entries you know for future tournaments was the deal so i think at some point we might do that again and obviously that was a lot of fun and you know so you never say never i'll say it that way so one other last uh local question i don't know if if you can speak to this or not but um you know i've seen some some of the community talking about well looks like at the legislature here in minnesota they're talking about doing a sports betting bill maybe there will be some opportunities for poker you just spoke to the fact that minnesota only allows the the kind of the spread limit rather than the no limit variety in the cash games um do you think that that uh and if you can't speak to this you know i don't know what the regulatory rules are and if you're not an expert on that that, but do you think there's any hope that we're uh gonna have some no limit games in minnesota i think there's always hope for that um i i can (laughs) speak to it in part because the legislature keeps us in the dark they don't Mm -hmm. they don't tell us anything Mm -hmm. we have lobbyists at the capitol that obviously work a lot um I know there's been a lot of the the big thing in the news is sports betting and you know where that's at right now uh, it's you know it's not it's right now what they're proposing doesn't include us um you know and I'm sure our lobbyists are working to get other things and that could be bigger limits um you know so and it it's been it's been geez at least a dozen or 10 years maybe 11 years since our last limit increase so I would say at this point, we're probably maybe looking at something like that, but I, I don't have any specifics. So it's pure conjecture on my part at this point. So we're entering the lightning round portion of the interview. We're, we're uh, uh, getting on to the end here, John. I really appreciate your time. Um, but we've got some members that, you know, they don't get access to someone like you very often. So they're, they're typing some questions in here. Um, okay. so I want to get one in from Charles Allen. Uh, going back to the penalties idea. Uh, so what is the gradient for penalties? Is it entirely subjective or is there sort of like a precedent for this kind of behavior gets this kind of penalties? Uh, to speak to that a little bit in uh, 30 words or less. <laughs> sure. Basic, yeah. Basically, non. So if, when it's just poker specifically related, penalties are pretty low level. Um, three hands, one orbits, typically first level penalty kind of thing. Things that are egregious, you know, verbal abuse, um, throwing things, uh, anything like that is going to go up, is going to be escalated immediately. 
Um, I've had to kick people out right away. So before they even get a penalty, so it, it does happen. You know, you can obviously imagine the kind of thing that might drive something like that. Like a guy flipping a table over as an example, (laughs) (laughs) probably going to be out of the tournament. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, So Joseph uh, Foss is typing in here and wants to let you know that he's a big fan of the beat the boss tournament. Okay. Um, (laughs) And also uh, there's some suggestions here also from evil Roy Slade, about maybe doing like a no limit PLO mix or having like a once a month mixed game tournament or something like that uh, to kind of spice things up and, and get people more involved in, in that in that in that side of it. I'm not sure it's a question so much as a, sure. a recommendation. Um, yeah, I mean we we actually were running a crazy pineapple tournament for a little bit too. And I, I'm not opposed to anything like that. Uh if I can drive some interest, you know, if I've got 50, 60 players that want to come out for it, heck yeah, let's spread it. Um uh, personally I'm a big fan of games like Raz. I I would I would play Raz all day. So there's a great example. I mean I, I'm sure there's people out there that like it just like I do. Um, you know, maybe we've got some options there, you know, that's easier said than done. I wish, I wish it was that simple. Um, you know, I've got to be able to show that I'm going to get the people for it. So that's always my roadblock, but if I can get, if I can work something out, you know, like I said, my wheels are always spinning. <laughs> nice. Well, I'd encourage if, uh, if, if you're listening to this and you want to try out some of our mixed games, Joseph, uh, makes a great point in the chat here that um, John Somsky runs our, our home game club here, and we do a different mixed game theme every month. So every month uh, throughout the year, we'll be focusing on a different mixed game. We've got tutorials on how to play. We've got some practice games set up throughout the week or throughout the month. And then we have our monthly player of the year uh, mixed game feature as well. So it is, I, I'm with you, John. I feel like it is the future of mm-hmm. poker. Uh, it, you can, the, the mixed game players, they're always having more fun. They're just they having a better time at the table. There's no debate. There's no debate. About they do. That. They're they're action <laughs> games. They move fast. They and, it, yeah. and I think it's just great. It's a great reminder for all of us that you know what makes poker cool. It's fun. It's a fun thing to do. It's fun to play. It's fun to splash chips around, make wagers. You know, nobody wants to sit there and sit for an hour and a half waiting for a, two cards that look really good. You know, I, <laughs> you know that's. I think. I think. I mean, that's. You know, that's. That's what you end up thinking about. So it's always fun to try different things. And, um, yeah. Nice. Well, normally, um, we're we do a little segment talking about some upcoming events at Running Aces as part of our show here, okay. and we let people uh, start typing the words "food bank" into the chat. So I'm just going to use you being here to do that okay. a little bit. So first, I'm just going to say that. If you're listening to this, it might surprise you, but someone you know might be suffering from food insecurity. Food insecurity is uh, something that affects a lot of people in your own neighborhoods, I promise. The people that you might not expect uh, need some help every once in a while. And so the best way to turn a great ROI on your own donation is to support your local food bank. So whether that's with your time, some non-perishable food items, or by writing them a check every once in a while, your local food bank is a great way to impact people in need in your community. So every week we do a draw here. Um, the, if you're uh, if you're already a Rec Poker Premium member and we call your name, you're going to win a month of Range Trainer Pro. If you are not yet a Rec Poker Premium member, a what are you doing? Why? You doing? Why not? Have we mentioned that it's only fifteen dollars a month? Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> but if you are not yet, you'll win a free month of uh, Rec Poker Premium membership here as well. So um, while people are taking some time to type the words food bank into the chat, 
Uh, John, can you tell us a little bit about what's coming up with MSBT? I know that's a big series. Um, everyone always has a great time at the MSBT stops. And um, what what do you have in store for them? They're coming. It's right around the corner, I think. Uh, it is. March, yeah. March 23rd so, to April 2nd. March 23rd. So Thursday, March 23rd will be the kickoff of the uh, the spring MSPT event at Running Aces. Um, we got them back last year. And uh, MSPT actually originated at Running Aces many, many, many years ago. Um and, you know, last year we were able to get them back and obviously, and we had two really, really good events last year and, and, uh, Brian Molesky and myself were able to get it worked out again to come back this year. And I can't wait to have him back. Uh, the, his head tournament director, Jeremy Smith, just a fantastic guy. I love, I love working with them. Uh, he brings a really good crew of people in and they, they, they run just really, really good events. And I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm not ashamed to say that I copy a lot. I've learned a lot from him, <laughs> from both of those guys. And uh, matter of fact, uh, our pot of gold tournament this weekend, um, I don't know if Brian or Jeremy would be listening to this, but I actually stole their pay structure and used it. <laughs> so <laughs> we, one of the things we had received feedback on for our main events was our pay structure. And we've been, um, myself and another uh, one of my tournament directors, Brian Soja, had been working on a pay structure many years ago. Uh, got permission to try something different and we didn't have anything built. So we just use MSPT space structure. So that's a good shout out to those guys. Hey, you know, you know, imitations and the serious, the sincerest form of flattery. So there you go. Yes, sir. But yeah. So they're going to be here March 23rd. Um, first they're the first, the multi-day event, the first weekend uh, is a three sixty regional. So we've been, he's been running last year. He ran a couple mystery bounties for the 360 the first weekends this year it's going to be a 360 regional um we're going to run the mspt will run the mystery bounty in december when they come back to visit us then so our event this last weekend was a 360 and we drew 772 entries for us alone mm-hmm. i would ex- i expect that we're going to be well over a thousand entries for this event so um come on out for sure and it's the you it's the same spread for those 10 days. Uh we've got another uh multi multi-day event that's kind of nice that starts on Sunday night, goes Sunday, Monday, Tuesday nights. So if you're one of those guys that has to work weekends, it's a great opportunity to maybe work a, a multi-day event in on a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday night. And then we've got the main event that starts the following weekend. That's eleven hundred dollars. So um or eleven ten. Um yeah, so we'll welcome those guys back and uh that's a lot of fun and Hopefully some of you guys can make it out. There's daily events everywhere. Um, and I, hopefully there's a, the, the multi-day event that starts on Sunday night is 185 bucks. So pretty cheap multi-day event. Uh, he's got a 20,000 guarantee on it, but it goes way over that. Uh, I want to say the prize pool in it for last one ended up being 60 or 70,000 for it. So I, what a lot of value there. And, and like I said, they have such a great staff. I don't think, I mean, uh, to me, my only my only sadness with it is I just I can't play it. I gotta sit there. And work. So uh, yes. I gotta sit there and work and I just get to watch and that's my fun. <laughs> uh, well, and, and I will say, folks, if you're considering making the trip, uh they're running aces just north of the Twin Cities. And it is the running aces hotel, racetrack, and casino. Yep. Yep. I can speak from experience. You can get a very good night's sleep there. Um, and you yes. don't have to have spent the last 20 hours traveling from Toronto. Uh, it's very comfortable right. beds, great rooms, great staff, and uh, they have a lot of fun there as well. I, I'm I'm looking so we're 
we're we're talking about doing another rec poker weekend yep. sometime in Oct- August or September, yep. um, the end of the summer, so uh, people can start getting excited for that. Um, but in the meantime, yeah, get on up there and uh, have some fun with John and the rest of the crew uh, over at Running Aces. If not for the uh, MSPT, you know, keep checking in with us. We'll be going over some of their upcoming events at the end of the show, uh, week in and week out, because we love working with you guys. So keep it up, John. Is there anything else that you want to leave our listeners with before we roll on out of here? Uh, no, uh, Jim, thanks for the, obviously the, the work you're doing with us. Um, and the, for all of you guys, the work you do with the rec poker community, the rec, you know, rec players are, it's lifeblood. It, it, it's absolutely the reason we stay open. So uh, as a poker room. And so that's the only thing I want to lead, you know, take off with for me, you know, for everybody that's listening is, um, it's communities like this that keep, keep the games going and, uh, keep driving interest and, you know, when we have that rec poker weekend again, we'll we'll be setting that up at some point. I can't. I hope I can see a bunch of people that, and they're all wearing the rec poker gear, and uh, you know, and and we have a good time. Yeah, it is a great time. It is a great yeah, time. Absolutely. Uh, well, thank you, John. Uh, don't be a yeah. stranger. We'll be talking again in the next little while. I I got to have you back on. Where I want to talk about different uh, legal jurisdictions. Oh, I want to sure. talk about yeah. all this other stuff I thought we were going to get into today, but we got sidetracked with all these great questions. So, right. um, we'll, we'll just have to do this again sometime real soon. That sounds great. All right, John, have a great night. Thanks again. Yeah, take care guys. Thank you all. All right. Well, uh, we've had a few people entering the words food bank into the chat. Um, John Somsky, why don't you lead us through the latest round of home game winners? And then Chris Jones will roll his magical nerdy die. And we'll see who's going home with a new membership here or there or somewhere. We're going to find out. Well, let's start off with the No Limit Hold'em Championship Series. Max Chaos 2112. Greg Clem won his very first No Limit Hold'em Championship Series. What a boss. Then for uh, our nightly events, Gibber 3, Jim Gibson got his second nightly event for the year. He's on a freaking roll, too, by the way. I feel like we're shouting Jim Gibson out every every time we get together on the show here. It's like it's the it's the real Jim parade. Well, yeah, actually, so this <laughs> this was on February 27th when he won this yeah. on February 26th. The previous week, that was the LPP event. Which oh, Wow. So this is really back to back events. for him. Wow. Back to and back. I, I'll also say that. Uh, Greg, um, I gave him a ton of chips, so I'm I feel partially oh. responsible for that win. Um, <laughs> See, we're touching lives. Yeah, Numbers we are. The yeah, I, I feel you just... know it's all it's all me. I'm just I'm helping everyone out. I'd like to be so generous with my chips. <laughs> oh, way to way to go, uh, the real Jim Jim Gibson. Nicely done, Gibber. Then we have Elvis seventy six got his Steve. first nightly victory for the year. Steve Krebs. That... Oh. oh, you're doxing him. Again. I'm doxing him now. I don't know. Just... I don't know. Maybe it was it's a different. You're supposed what? to, you, you know, you just like follow John's lead, right? John true. Says, I really says the username and then he'll say the real name <laughs> if it's real. And yeah. otherwise he just says the username and then you're like, oh, you didn't say the, so I'm going to say you it. Know, this is like a pat. I could probably eventually oh. un- recognize this pattern and stick to it. Um, okay. I'm going to, yeah. I'll be back. <laughs> Jim, think, right? Jim, Jim. Jim just needs the Twitch delay to be put into place so that we can appropriately mute him. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Then we okay. have Novice Monk, who Christopher Hirsch, who won his very first event ever. 
Nice. Or, well, wow. Or rec poker. I don't know that it was his. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, congratulations. Welcome to the club. I believe that's a fairly new player as well. So I think it was like within their first handful of tournaments. Oh, I think they had so only sweet. registered a couple of days before. That's then like have- uh, uh, Dana Craven. Her husband, uh, Matt Craven, I think, joined a couple of weeks ago and then won his first tournament that he played with. Dana was giving me the gears on Twitter. She's like, I've been, I've been, it took me like three weeks before I won my first one. And then he comes in here and boom, right to the top. Hey, that's just how it goes sometimes. Mm-hmm. Nicely done. Well, you know, neither one of them really has much room to complain. Because I think there are some players who have been playing far longer without <laughs> yeah, winning. I think, I think you're right. It's a tough field, man. It's a tough yep. field. Yeah, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> then we have a big deal. Brian DeHaven got his second nightly victory for the nice. year. Sh- Ship and flip wreck. Luke O'Driscoll got his first nightly victory for the I, year. I still, that's one of my favorite usernames, I think. Ship and flip wreck. It just feels like it's trying to get me to say something different. Uh, no, I like that. Nice. Then we have a really mad guy, mad guy, got his second nightly victory for the year. Another Poker perennial Geek. winner. Yep. Oh. Poker Geek Man, John Sonsky won the daily mixed event. What? I don't know. Uh, just do- you just doxed him. What are, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Way to go, John! You're 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 uh, often right in there in the mixed games. You're right in that uh, final table. I know mixed games are something that you enjoy quite a bit. So congratulations. Well, it's interesting. You know, I I was jealous the other week when Rob had won the mixed game, and it was PLO and. PLO, of all of the mixed games, that's probably my weakest mixed game. I tend to overplay my hands a little bit there. Um, so I was really happy when I was able to suck out on everyone and win despite my poor play. And you played very well at that final table, if I recall, because I was there for a short period of time. And you were you had a lot of chips and you were using them well. Well, I was trying to at least. And then, speak of the devil, Mesodana, Dana Craven, ah. got her first international victory for the year. There we go. Nice. And John Lutze, John Lutze, John. got his first international victory for the year. And type login, Joseph oh. Foss, won the LPP event. So he can contact Jim at rec.poker for his free month at Learn Pro Poker. Oh, congratulations, Joseph. Uh, I love it when our uh, active members, like Joseph's been a great uh, friend in the YouTube chat here for a long time. Um, great to see him uh, winning. And, and a Sunday night is probably the best night to win other than the first or second Wednesday of the month. That uh, <laughs> He says, I see him typing in the chat, or he says, the laptop battery was about to die, so I started jamming all in on the final table. <laughs> you know, he, he also... Wins. He had also just cashed in that uh, pot of gold at Running Aces oh. that same day. Oh, oh we wow. had the same day. Wow. Yeah, okay. yeah. We had a little back and forth yesterday. I, I <laughs> did make the final table of that one, too. Didn't make it very far, but uh, he had a huge <laughs> chip stack, so he could easily just jam every hand and not worry right. about it because um, he would come out ahead eventually anyway. So, Well, congratulations, Joseph. Or here, Joe, what do you got there? 
I, he has, I mean, you were talking about clever logins, I or clever screen names. I really like type login. That type login is a good nice. one, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, we, <laughs> yeah he, he's, he's one of the OGs around here. I've been seeing that for a long time. Um, so yeah, as Joe, as John Somsky says, uh, Joseph sent me an email, jim at rec.poker. You've won a free month of membership at Learn Pro Poker. You're going to love it. Uh, they have so much great stuff uh, going on there. And like Running Aces, Learn Pro Poker and um, Ryan the Plant, they've been a good friend of ours uh, for a long time. They were our first real learning partner. And so it's a pleasure to be able to share their material uh, with fantastic Rec Poker members like yourself. So yeah, send that email, uh, jim at rec.poker. And Chris, I see we've got uh, a new addition. Um, Dark Angel Donna is sneaking in under the wire to add her name to the mix here. So to avoid the bamboozling, uh, we have to officially declare the order of uh, the food bank draw here. So we're starting with Charles Allen, then the RRRCCC, Mary McCune, the one and only type login himself. Uh, Arnold Barron is back. And then uh, Dark Angel brings us to six. So, so I got a traditional a old six shooter. Boring, conventional right, old die. Let's see go. how it works. It's a three. It's a three. That's Mary McCune. Mary is on a freaking roll. Um, I think Mary's actually was our first ever Range Trainer Pro membership winner from a few weeks ago. Uh, so Mary, Mary, you know what to do. Send me that email, jim at rec.poker. I know you and I have a conversation um, booked for a couple of weeks from now. So at the very least, we can figure out uh, if you're enjoying Range Trainer Pro, maybe we can get an extra week in there, uh, or maybe we can find another prize for you. Congratulations, and just goes to show. Swing on by the Rec Poker Podcast, 7.30 Eastern on Mondays. You get a chance to win a prize for free at the end, and you never know. Yeah, we got Joe Rafter in the group as well. Hey, Joe, good to see you, man. We got a couple of these overseas uh, members, Joe and Donna, um, jumping in, which we love to see. I hope you guys are Joe and Mary are are regulars in the book study also. Yep, there you go. Well, it goes to show these people they get involved, and then we see results. So God bless. Um, It's great when people uh, winners start winning. Given that. Taylor isn't here, we should remind everyone that they can stay tuned on Thursday nights for Marek Madness. We had, you know, 5 by 5 doing an incredible bracket buster and 16th seed beat the first seed there. <laughs> so, you know, rigged. Uh, <laughs> so everyone should stay tuned and you can go to the, uh, we're keeping track of the points, you can go over to the um, chat or the to wreck that poker slash marek and see where everyone's picks were and see where you're ending up there yeah yeah and, and um, we've got an amazing uh uh commentary duo uh our own jim reed will be joined <laughs> by none other than veronica brill for the commentary this week on thursday so that'll be really fun we've got some great matchups so come tune in for that um and we're gonna have it sounds like we're going to have a special guest, awesome commentator pretty much every week. So this is going to be a fun March. Yeah, it's exciting to see it coming together. So um, I will just take a moment to talk about how awesome this cool feature is. So Taylor Moss puts this on every year. It's our March Madness. We call it Marek Madness. Um, there's a 16-player ladder bracket. Every Thursday night, 
uh, starting at nine o'clock Eastern or may, on some of them it's 830 Eastern. So check the rec.poker website. Um, we've got the calendar event set up for it. Go to twitch.tv slash poker. And each week we're going to have a different team uh, providing live commentary over uh, the uh, cards up uh, action on these matches as they play out. So last weekend was bracelet winner Lara Eisenberg with Taylor Moss. Uh, this week, it's going to be Veronica Brill and myself. Next week, we've got another bracelet winner, Chris Fox Wallace, joining us in the booth. Um, Rob Gardner, a friend of the show who you've, uh, uh, you might know as the poker pastor, he was on the uh, forums edition a little while ago, is going to be joining us for week four. And then I cannot officially um, announce the, the week five on the, the final guest because it hasn't been quite nailed down they've got some travel plans that we need to make official but there will be an exciting guest on march 30th as well so five thursdays in march there's four left at the time of this recording come on down to the twitch channel twitch.tv slash rec poker and uh get involved and have some fun it's it's going to be a lot of fun and i can't wait to see you know now that somsky's goons have like limited like what are they even going to get up to, John? Have you thought about that? How are you? How are your goons doing, John? Because you know, now, like, are they sad? I really think it was that video that did it. <laughs> it just totally demoralized me. Not only the fact that you know I was leading, I had a huge ship lead, and then boom, he comes back right at the end. It, mm. But th- it was the the video. It just almost put me into tears, and I could not focus on the game. <laughs> Yeah, once I slipped the goons, I you know like that it was it was just that it was you know it was just you and me then. I didn't have to deal with all this nonsense. It felt it felt very good. And <laughs> and I believe if people want to see the video we are referring to, well, where can they find that, Chris? Uh, well, it's still up on YouTube. Uh, yes, it somewhere. will be. It's on YouTube. If you go to the uh, Rec Poker YouTube channel. Um, the main page has a bunch of playlists. Uh, if you just scroll down, one of them is the Marek Madness playlist, and it's currently uh, at the top of that one. So you can see Marek Madness 2023 week one, and uh, you can see all the violence, the wrecking crew on wrecking crew violence uh, that happens here. Go- goons or no? There was, a, there was a lot of good matches. And Lara and uh, uh, Taylor did a really cool, fun job in the booth as well. You could tell they got along great. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's just, this is a fun group. I am so lucky to be a part of this fantastic group of poker wizards. We're just, it, ah, it, it, I don't know, folks, if, if you are listening along and you think those guys seem like they're having a good time, there's a good reason for that. Come check us out. Get, come sign up for a free rec poker account. All it takes is an email address and a smile, although we insist on both. And, um, I'd love it if you drop that five dollars and gave our premium membership a try if you use the code rec poker and sign up uh, that first month is only five dollars and it's 15 bucks a month after that uh come join the fun we have a great time we'd like to be having a great time with you so what else should we mention before we roll on out of here i know we're going to get together if you're a premium member watching live in the youtube chat feel free to come and uh join our forums edition we're going to be recording a couple episodes of the forums edition of the podcast right after this uh you can find the link to join that on the homepage calendar and otherwise i'll just thank uh john barrows for being a fantastic guest 
Uh, Joe Coolis, Rob Washam, John Somsky, and Chris Jones for joining me in the booth. The Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino. And everyone in the YouTube chat, but mostly you, the listeners. Thank you all so much, and we'll see you again 